The text that calls for our attention this Lord's Day is St. Matthew, chapter 11, especially where it says this, The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they said, Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In Deuteronomy 21, parents are given this instruction. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him and he will not listen to them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gate of the place where he lives. And they shall say to the elders of the city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Following this declaration, the men of the town would proceed in stoning the rebellious son. The Pharisees in the Bible thought of themselves as the spiritual father of everyone. And in one sense, their thinking of themselves as fathers of, to the people was not wrong. After all, God did want those who had religious leadership among the Jews to watch over and care for the people as a father would for a child. The problem was the Pharisees had lost touch with the true heavenly father and had forgotten his ways. Therefore, they were not the spiritual fathers that God had intended them to be. But that didn't stop them from thinking that they were, and it didn't stop them from identifying the ones whom they saw as rebellious sons who needed to be taken out to the city gates and stoned. In our text for today, we learn that the Pharisees viewed Jesus as a rebellious son. After all, he never seemed to obey the authority that they sought to yield. He was constantly trying to correct them on their interpretation of God's law. Yes, they, time and time again, had shame brought upon them as Jesus would point out that they were the ones rebelling against the Father. You know, the Pharisees could never stand anyone who was doing a work of God that they had not personally sanctioned. When John the Baptist was around doing his ministry of baptism out by the Jordan River, they did not like him. And now they were after Jesus, who once again did not do things according to their ways or their authority. He was constantly again bringing shame upon them. While others might have been calling Jesus a prophet or the Messiah, the Pharisees called him nothing more than a rebellious son. And in Jesus' case, they had what they considered to be inescapable proof that Jesus was, in fact, what they charged him with. After all, just a few chapters before in Matthew's Gospel, they had watched as Jesus had sat down with Matthew the tax collector and all of his questionable friends. Yes, you know, those rebellious sons always be the, always end up or the, as the ones who are hanging out with questionable people in questionable places, doing questionable things. And that was Jesus. 
Jesus went into those places where those questionable people were, and he ate and he drank with them. And so the charge against him was easy to make. Jesus was, in their eyes, unquestionably a glutton and a drunkard. After all, he hung out with gluttons and drunkards. That guilt by association is not something new. And you know what those sons who are rebellious should have done to them, the Pharisees would say. Well, they should be taken out to the city gates, and there should be grave consequences. Stoning was the answer. Death was the answer. That is what the Pharisees would tell you that Jesus had coming to him. You might think that Jesus, faced with such serious consequences, might have simply cleared up the confusion about what he was doing at those parties. He could have simply said, listen, I'm not eating to excess. I'm not drinking to excess. I'm simply there to help others. But he didn't do that. For he knew that really no amount of explanation would end him up in a place where he would be exonerated of all the charges. He knew that no matter what he said or what he did, they would still be after him. After all, John the Baptist was sort of the opposite of Jesus when it came to what he ate and drank. John the Baptist ate almost nothing that would even be considered normal food, let alone luxurious food, and yet the Pharisees had great trouble with him. Now Jesus came and he ate and drank with the people, what they were eating and drinking, and now they were after him. It simply was not going to be done away with this charge that he was a rebellious son. And after all, Jesus had to admit, there was one charge of the Pharisees that was absolutely true. He was a friend of sinners. You see, Jesus came to befriend sinners. He was all about mercy and not sacrifice. He came not for the well, but for the sick. He was indeed a friend of sinners. And this not just in words, but in every deed. You see, Jesus was not afraid that his perfect reputation would be soiled if he went in and sat down with those who were doing things that were wicked. Well, he didn't care so much about his reputation as he did the salvation of those whom he was gathering with. And so he talked with them. He walked with them. And most shockingly for his culture, he sat down and ate with those tax collectors and sinners. Yes, Jesus was indeed a friend of sinners. And so he remains to this day. And thanks be to God for that. That message that Jesus, in fact, came for sinners was really at the heart of what happened during the Reformation under Martin Luther's guidance. Indeed, God sent forth Luther in order to restore back that central teaching to the church that Jesus was a friend to sinners that he was the only savior they could look to and find help. You see, Luther had been brought up in a day and age which the church taught time and time again 
that Jesus was truly only friends to the righteous. You had to do certain things. You had to follow through on buying indulgences. You had to pay a little to have a service prayed for you here or there. And then you might be considered good enough to be able to sit down with Jesus. Luther struggled with this teaching his whole life. For he found that no matter what he did, he could never convince himself that he had gained a status of worthy when it came to Jesus and God. No, he was never convinced that Jesus would want to be his friend. And so he was left alone in his sin, and that sin often crushed him. Some say it nearly drove him literally crazy. But then in studying the scriptures, Martin Luther discovered the truth that is in our text for today. He came to understand that the scriptures indeed did teach that Jesus was a friend of sinners. No, Jesus didn't wait for one to become righteous and then sit down and dine with him. But instead, he sought out people right in the midst of the filth of their own sins. Luther read, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And he rejoiced, for he knew that he was a sinner. And now he knew that Jesus was his friend, his savior. Luther made it his way then to spend the rest of his life confessing that truth wherever he could. You see, I don't think young Luther ever was in doubt as to his status as a sinner. That point was brought upon him time and time again as he heard the sermons that were preached in his day. What he was missing for so long was that secondary proclamation that Jesus was a friend of sinners. He didn't know that until he found that message in the scriptures through the inspiration of the Spirit. Sometimes I wonder about us, though. Luther missed the second part, but got the first. He knew he was a sinner, but didn't know initially that Jesus was the one who had come to be with sinners. Perhaps you and I have almost the opposite problem. You know, it seems like so many times we have heard the message that Jesus is a savior to sinners that we sort of take that for granted. But I wonder if sometimes then we can get into thinking that we really are the righteous. We really can think that, oh, we're a sinner, but not that bad of a sinner. We can often think that we, like the Pharisees, could walk around and point out the real sinners in the community. You know, we might think we're a sinner, but do we think we're really a tax collector, prostitute, that kind of sinner? Is our life that messed up? You see, we need to know that all sin condemns us before the Father. And so, yes, we are those kind of sinners. We are those who, when the law examines us, find that we have fallen far short of the glory of God. Even though we might walk around like Pharisees, we should not anymore. Instead, we should know that we are sinners. For if we truly know that, then the message 
of the entire scriptures will be of pure joy to us. For if God himself is a friend to sinners, then he's a friend to you and to me. Yes, you said, poor, miserable sinner. Do you feel comfortable with that title? You cried out, Lord, have mercy. But do you remember exactly why? It is always good that we would stop and let something like the Ten Commandments ruminate in our minds for a while. For if we understand their whole breadth, then we will always come away saying, Yep, I have fallen short of the glory of God. I have sinned. I am a sinner. And when we are in that place, it is just then that the message that Jesus is a friend of sinners is the ultimate good news. Yes, Jesus is a friend of sinners. If when you hear that, it doesn't mean much to you, it doesn't move you a little bit, well then perhaps it's because you don't recognize that it applies to you. You're the sinner that we're talking about. And Jesus is a friend to you. What good news that Jesus does not wait for us to come unto righteousness and then come and sit down with us. But instead he searches us out right in the midst of the filth of our sin. And he sits down and dines with us. Yes, we have much reason to rejoice today. Because that one that the Pharisees called the rebellious son is in fact our dearest friend. Our Savior, the one who is not afraid to sit down with us and to feed us and to heal us with his grace and mercy. Oh yes, those Pharisees thought that Jesus was a rebellious son. But he wasn't really. No, in fact, he was the only perfect son there's ever been. He was that son who lived out his life under his father's will and ways each day and with each word he spoke. And yet, those Pharisees would, in the end, have their way. They would take Jesus, that rebellious son in their mind, out to the side of the city gates, and they would kill him. But even there, and particularly there, we see clearly that Jesus is the friend to sinners. For that is why he hangs upon that cross in order that he might be a true friend to you and me. For it was Jesus who reminded us that there was no greater love in the world than that a man would lay down his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus did on Calvary. He laid down his life for his friends. You and me and the entire world included. Yes, Jesus is a friend of sinners. And that is very good news for us. And it's good news really for anyone that hears it knowing that they are a sinner. It's news that we need to share forth with anyone that we get a chance to talk to. Yes, no matter where we are, we should proclaim that Jesus is a friend to sinners. And we should not be proud, but be humble enough to admit that we know that because we are one. We are a sinner, and Jesus is our friend. Thanks be to God for that. Amen.